Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big. That's the biggest mistake people do. People, people want to be perfect in business. They want everything to be so perfect that there's no mistakes. And then by doing that, they make more mistakes, and then they fail to realize where they went wrong. If you go in there with an open mind and you actually do make mistakes, then you're open more. You're more open to going. Let me try again. But if you go in there trying to perfect everything and then you fail, you're less likely to scrap it, throw it in the bin, and say I gave up. Welcome to the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have the founder of Lending Consultants in London, and he's also he's an influencer, a socialite. He's a co-founder of the Impact Hub in Lusaka, a co-working space where entrepreneurs fellowship together for creative solutions for impact in Lusaka, Zambia, where um, the ripple effects of their creation and incubation trickles to other African nations. So today we have Raymond Pelecomeo in the house. Thank you very much for, for, for being this show. No problem. Thank you for inviting me to, I don't know what I'm going to be answering, but uh, we'll see how much I can give. Yeah, we just, we, we just, even though it's structured, but it's not structured, structured. So it's kind of um, an organized, yeah, an, yeah, o- yeah. O- organized flow. So, That's right. Yeah, so what's been going on with you? Because we, last year we saw you do this um, consistently been doing, what's it called? Is it Lusaka, um, oh, is it Lusaka brunch or Lusaka New Year's party or the Lusaka what? That, you, <laughs> that people turn up from all over the world to attend your event in Lusaka. Yeah, so no, it was, um, it was a funny story. Um, so what happened was uh, I was approached through my Instagram by this this young lady and then she was like could you come to could you come to my hotel in Zambia you fly and, and check it out I had no idea why I was checking out this hotel um, then next minute I realized they said we need your help to to expand and grow the brand of our hotel um, not knowing who these people were uh, and it seemed like an interesting fun um, project so I thought to myself, okay, I can do it, but I want to first understand this market. What's the market like in Zambia? Um, what type of people are there? And especially what do they like to do? What do they like to drink? And the only way I can do that is if I do market research. And the best way to do market research is to test. And I thought I could throw an event in Osaka and then use data to analyze exactly what kind of people came, how they came to the event, and most importantly, do they buy the products of this hotel? So I thought we can create a New Year's party and then and then see from there exactly how how well it happens. So the whole the whole I think the whole of the final quarter of the year, so third quarter of the year, we we did the New Year's party. We started preparing and whatever. We didn't do it the whole year. We just left it towards that last few months. Oh, that's great. See, for those who yeah. don't who don't know you, um. See, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to like be this giant on social media? Because you've got over 100,000 followers, so people yeah. that listen to you every day. So how did you, just tell us about your background, how you grew up, what was your mindset to like come into this um, space? It's a very difficult question. I think, um, I, think I, I, I came by it by accident. Um, I think a lot of people were just attracted to my story, so... I just next day woke up and then I had over 20,000 followers and then 
and I didn't know why. I think it's because people just liked the story that I had about being from from Africa and moving to the UK. Um, and then from from being in the UK, I think people just I I think saw a bit of themselves in me. And this happened through, I guess, I'll say Snapchat. Um, I hosted a channel, and a lot of people just started following me. And I thought I could actually use this, so I started to then kind of build on this as like a travel guy who just does business. And then next minute I knew I started rubbing shoulders with some of the richest kids and entrepreneurs in the world and then travel with them. And then, yeah, then my following just went to like 100,000 over a year and a half. (laughs) And yeah, so it was a quick growth, I guess. Um, But at the same time, before that, I've always been in social media. I used to run um, one of the biggest... um, news pages on facebook uh 3ck news so this is about 2017 um so we're the ones that leaked the whole beyonce album lemonade everything before it even hit the news um so we used to get like a million views in the space of five minutes um and then that just got shut down which is devastating but i kind of learned from my mistakes and i knew exactly how to actually grow people's pages and grow people's brands just using my own experience. So I'm actually not new to it. I just know exactly who I'm speaking to, how to speak to them and just get my message across. So what, what, what you, you mentioned World Cup and um, just now about um, the C2K pages. Uh, what mistakes did you actually learn and how did you like recover from that? Um, okay, so, so in 2014, I worked for FIFA uh, football. Um, and that was for the Brazil World Cup and Costa Rica Women's World Cup. And also preparing for Russia, um, Russia World Cup as well. So you prepare for kind of tournaments in advance. Um, I learned how to, I guess, understand the more corporate clients. So your Coca-Colas, your Johnson Johnsons, your Sonys, Emirates. And actually, how do, you, how do you leverage how big they are compared to the smaller brands such as your i don't know your tv channels like bbc whatever there's there's different tiers of different sponsorships uh, for fifa and that's how fifa generates their income so you learn to prioritize people and then at the same time depending on the objective of fifa um objective of your business you kind of understand what partner would work perfectly for you and which ones wouldn't really do much for your brand so you start to understand where their priorities are with that. If that makes sense. Yes, it does so make sense. That, yeah, so that's how I kind of like knew. Like, I'll give you a funny story. There's a big, 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 well, probably one of the biggest brands, if not the biggest brand in the world. Uh, so during the World Cup, um, they pumped some, uh, some boars and the president of the United States was going to hold one of the boars the world cup and they were all blowing up exploded um so that was a mistake that we learned was not to check your product before you you put it into market so they had to fly me to usa to pump up about 600 to 1000 balls by hand to check which ones are blowing up <laughs> yeah uh, your biceps will be like crazy then what is the yeah, actual literally. pump or using like an automated one no, you had your hand pump. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's what that, that also teaches you what what Chinese um, quality standards you need to be working with. A lot of people just think, oh, I can go to Alibaba, start a business, 
and expect my products to always come out the same, which is not the, the fact. If you want to have a very good business on online and you're using Alibaba, then the best thing to do is actually travel to China and actually meet the factories for yourself, pick the right factory for you and put the right quality measures in, in place before you actually start working with these factories. A lot of people don't understand. They just, they're in this new generation of digital where they think they can just open up a Shopify account and start doing drop shipping, which is not the case. You actually have to physically travel to China. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. So, yeah. What, yeah. so we've learned some of your mistakes now. Um, regards your, yeah. your, your, your Facebook mistake, because Facebook cheats, cheats algorithm anyhow. As mm. it pleases them. So Lord Zuckerberg just does what he like feels is good for his business. So what yeah. mistakes did you learn from your from your news pages on Facebook? One, copyright. Um, there's a lot of pages now online that just post whatever they want to post without actually getting permission. Um, copyright is one of the biggest things there is out there. Um, if you haven't got the rights for a particular song and you put it onto your podcast, for instance, you could be sued. Um, so people need to understand exactly what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Uh, that's the biggest one I'm seeing out there. I see it every day on, 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 online. And most importantly now, especially we're going through an era where there's a lot of news pages posting fake news. Um, so it's getting quite hard for people to actually enter the the market of journalism. So let's say podcasting, for instance, that is journalism. You're being a journalist, right? Yep. Uh, but, you, but at the same time, people are crossing the lines between what is free speech and what isn't free speech. You understand? So I think people need to stop entering the market and just creating a load of rubbish, basically. Um, that's a big mistake I'm seeing out there as well. Uh, and the other mistake I say, the other biggest mistake that I learned was from a marketing point of view, is understanding your market, um, especially when you're growing too big. A lot of people, for instance, would, would think their brand is only targeted towards the United Kingdom, right? And the next minute, they're getting views from the United States. So when they post a particular article or particular post, their timings that they post are completely irrelevant to the United States. So if you're posting at 8, 8 a.m., no, let's say you're posting at midnight, right, for the U UK, that's perfect timing for the United States. But however, how many, of your, how many of your readers are going to be awake in the United Kingdom at midnight? So you kind of need to get the timings right if you're going to hit both markets. Or you can do what we did and just post throughout the whole night. But that means you have to have a big team that's going to stay awake and know exactly their timing. There's a lot of things that people need to take into consideration before actually just doing anything. Wow, that's great. So you said you started... Um London consulting in London after the World Cup 2014. Yeah. So, how did yeah. you, how so what led to this um, startup? Um, so I I was still at university, so I was still in my second year, end of second year. Um, so I took like a a year abroad just to just to understand the industry and what the world thing works. So I got a job at FIFA. Um, and then while I was there, I realized a lot of people didn't quite understand how you can leverage on a digital platform, so a digital interface. For example, how do you use certain, how, what is an app? How do you use an app to, to, to grow your brand? How do you use websites to grow your brand? What software can you create to track your data, your analytics? You understand? So I was able, I think, just being, I guess, a young boy 
um, I was able to understand this and actually relate back to these client, clients and big, big sponsors and say, hey, why didn't you do X, Y, Z? Because that's what we do on our apps, you know? It was such common, I wasn't thinking out the box, I was just common sense. And I think when I reached summer 2014, when the World Cup was happening, I just thought to myself, why do I not just open up a consultancy and give my secrets to all these big companies anyway? That's what I'm doing now. And on my CV, I've already got FIFA, so I look like a trustworthy person. So, um, so when I went back to university, I just started it. And O two O two were my first big clients. Then I got the Leeds Council. And then, yeah, we, we got lucky. And I, all my first big clients were pretty big. So, yeah, it was uh, luck. Yeah. Um, yeah, luck. But you need to be prepared for luck, to, for you to call it luck. Because you... That's true, yeah. Yeah, because you actually had to, like, start something before luck can actually happen. Because if you yeah, don't start, true. if you don't start, luck is not going to happen. So, yeah, that's very true. Uh, someone said his preparation meets world opportunity and kicks off. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. I guess a lot, of, a lot of people don't when they get into that situation, they don't really see the the door that's been opened for them. Um, I think for me, I kind of just didn't see the door, but I stumbled into the door. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so that's what it was one of those. Yeah, now now you're having clients back to back and that is good. I wish you the best. So yeah. now how did you okay, how did you position yourself? Let's talk about positioning now for someone yeah. for 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 a diaspora now um living in the UK or the US or wherever they are from Africa, but they have yeah. these ideas. So how would you like what are the steps that you use to like position yourself now? Last year, you you did or last year, last year or two years ago, you did this campaign for Britbox with BBC. Mm. So, how did you land that client, and how did it work? Um, I think everything just everything just went back towards who you know. So, I think that that client, and especially, just went back from, I guess, networking. Everything that I do, and every person that I meet is somebody. So, when I go out and I network, I. A lot of people see me as a socialite. Um, my, my main job is, I call myself the human social media or human social networker. Um, <laughs> because my job is to go out and actually, you know I mean, network with all these different people. Um, that particular campaign happened because of that. Um, the best example I can give you of how to position yourself would probably be, um, let me think of someone pretty big that we've done work for uh i can't really think of anyone that can mention legally okay okay i can mention you a brand that we're working with um and it's a human brand so it's actually a real person so the woman on instagram called nezanine um she is the wife to miguel the singer so when she came to us she only had about a hundred thousand followers uh, in the space of one year, she's on one million. I think now she's on over five million right now. <clears throat> so for us to actually land that person, you, you need to understand exactly what value you're going to bring to that person and why should they use you when they can do it themselves. I think a lot of people ask, they say, even if you go to any meeting, they say, hey, I've got a brand. Um, I want to do X, Y, Z. The main thing somebody wants to know is what can you do that I can't do, you know? 
Yeah. And what what can you do that I can't outsource to somebody who's cheaper than you? Because right now we're living in a world that people can get things cheap, way cheaper than you. Um, so our, our main point was this is this is our this is this is the people that we want to market to. So we'll we'll go for the people that are nobodies yet, but have the potential to be somebody. So what for example, if you're looking for a brand that you want to work for, work with, and you can position yourself in a position where you say, Hey, we want to work with brands that are no but there are no brands at all right now. However, I know in ten years' time if they put the work in, they're going to be someone. It's gonna take a long time, but they're gonna reach it. And I think if as a startup or SME, you're better off focusing that kind of way because you're you're leaving less room for competition and you've got a main clear focus of where your people will be, where to find them, how to talk to them, and you just repeat the same method over and over again. Um, rather than going, I wanna target everybody and anybody. And all you keep getting is rejection, 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 because the way you approach them keeps changing. What you keep saying to each person just keeps changing, if it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and a lot of people also go for the big clients. They, they wake up one morning and go, I'm going to go for WH Smiths. And chances are WH Smiths are not going to go for you. But why don't you go for the person who wants to be WH Smiths? So you sell them a package that looks like W.A. Smith's and it's less work for you because you just look at W.A. Smith, you see what they're doing and then capiche, you're, you just sell the same thing that they're doing to this new person. So, so the, 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 the way you advise positioning now is just to know who you want to serve and just um, be consistent with your message. Yeah, be very so consistent. Okay. Yeah. So instead of shooting... Consistency, consistency is key when it comes to um, business and most importantly, marketing. If you're not consistent, then you, you don't even know yourself what you offer. Um, so a lot of people don't actually know what their main selling points are. And that's where the consistency just goes out the window. Uh, is there like a breakdown of how you, how, how, how you position yourself and be more consistent to your particular client? Um. So is this before I've got the client or like during? Or before, the before, before you get a client. Okay, so um, so a lot of people use, so it depends. I, I, I use the old traditional method of, of uh, say, selling or so say filtering by using filters. So you filter your, your target bowl. So you, you put a whole, let's just say lottery. See when you watch the lottery and then the balls are like in the, and then it goes down a funnel and it's like number five, number five. So if you think about that and you put it in a business perspective, um, when you filter different clients, you kind of understand exactly what needs to be done in that little tube. Like to get that out of those 500 clients, what, what does that one board need to have that will fit your um, brand objective? So I know, for instance, if I'm going to be looking for SMEs in Africa, you need to fit a particular type of um, message for that, that, that's, that is consistent with my brand message or else we're going to be incompatible. We need to be so compatible that I do less work. So for me, I'll be looking, for instance, at beauty um, brands. In, and, then, and then I'll lower it down. I'll say region, demographics. And I'll say, hey, I want beauty brands that are located in West Africa. 
because that's probably where the market is right now. Beauty because that uses a lot of social media and online marketing. So I'm already breaking down like the selling points and what I can offer. I'm not going for just every type of beauty brand. I'm not going for every beauty brand across Africa. I've kind of filtered it to a point where it fits my funnel. Um, and then from there, you just, I guess, it just flows. It just works. And you start making mistakes and you both don't know what you're doing. So <laughs> it just works. Yeah, you know, you know, most of the time it's making of it's making um the fear of making mistakes, that is why we keep on like trying to like overthink stuff and but Yeah, yeah, that's the big that's the biggest mistake people do. People people want to be perfect in business. They want everything to be so perfect that there's no mistakes. And then by doing that, they make more mistakes and then they fail to realize where they went wrong. If you go in there with an open mind and you actually do make mistakes, then you're open more. You're more open to going. Let me try again. But if you go in there trying to perfect everything and then you fail, you're less likely to scrap it, throw it in the bin, and say I gave up. Yeah, true. Because we've been we've been on this we've been on this um, this journey now for the past one two years now, and. The mistakes, the mistakes just keeps happening. But and if you don't make mistakes, it's like you're not even trying. You're yeah. not pushing yourself. So for you to get out of that funk, you need to just go ahead and just do it. And yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So how did you? How do you become so um, so consistent in reaching out to landing your clients, your ideal clients? Um, I think it's a mixture between. Um, my track record um, and the track record doesn't have to be perfect uh, I think I think it's a mixture of someone who has tried got their foot through the door with other big clients and has proposed good things you know um, a lot of people don't want to see a guy who's perfect and just nails every campaign they want to see somebody who's willing to be innovative and try new things and then see where that takes them um, and then the other mixture is with having a very good team. If you hire the best team out there, you don't do any work. <laughs> so I've managed to, I've managed to kind of under, understand who I need in my team. So I've got people on my team who are better than me. There's that, there's that famous um, Bill Gates quote where he says, I wasn't the smartest in the, in, in the class, but I, now all those smart people now work for me. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, so I've come to a point now where I realize I'm getting to a point where my skill set isn't in the office, it's outside the office. I used to be traveling, speaking to current clients, speaking to clients I want to bring in, like, you know, just traveling and just entertaining them while the actual team is in the office, creating, building software, doing all that stuff. So at the moment, how many people do you have in your team? Oh. Uh, uh, which which uh, I've got like I've got about s- six companies, so, <laughs> so I don't know across all of them. I probably say across all of them. Uh, it's a lot. Um, this is and today's payday as well. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just woke you up there. <laughs> Yeah, I was up, I was up, they're doing payroll. So, um, 
that's why I said to you Fridays I don't do anything because I knew today's payroll. So <laughs> when well, you get, this is the day you wake up and you get a uh, hundred emails saying I uh, money hasn't reached my account, and you're like, ah. um, mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's really a lot. Um, the reason why it's a lot is because if I count, for instance, Impact Hub, that's ongoing. We've got like. 10 full-time workers and this is impact itself impact hub yeah then then we have hundreds of volunteers because mm. we have because we run different seminars every week so there's different volunteers from different places that's just one company then i've got a, a care agency and the care agency has on paper on the books we have 40 employees and then we have about 10 are full-time london consultants we have the actual core team me and my actual team that i'm like the directors whatever there's about one two three four of us right yeah but then we have a factory or it's not factory a an office in india that has a hundred developers yeah yeah um so when you put that all across, it's like quite you, a lot. You are you 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 are busy. You are busy. I I understand from one of your from one of our interactions <laughs> on on um oh that's my phone kicking off. Anyways, mm. yeah. So I understand from from one of our interactions that you were going to the Forbes the Forbes thirty under thirty and and yeah. you smashing it. How is that going? Um. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's always, it's always been on my bucket list um, to attend Forbes 30 under 30. I think I, I think I had that when I was young. I said I said I said to myself when I was in school, secondary school. I said uh, I really want to be. There's two big things I ever want to do in my life, and one of them is to be or attend. Even though I don't make the list, at least I was invited, you know, to see if I'm even just even be recognized, you know. So that was one of my lists, like to be part of that. And the second one was to, to do a TED Talks. I haven't done a TED Talks yet. That's on my, that's my number two. I want to do that very soon. The number three was obviously make a million before I turned 30. I did that at the age of 21, but that was done. Um, but then, um, yeah, the Forbes was very exciting because Forbes is doing something very, very amazing. They're bringing Forbes 30 under 30 to Africa. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so they're, having, they're launching this March... March 16th, I think, in Botswana. So it's a very, very big, weak product, project um, that they're going to be inviting all the biggest entrepreneurs under 30 to Botswana. Um, or all the biggest ones in Africa to Botswana to launch this. And I think this is a very big step for Africa, uh, greatest entrepreneurship. Because you know how Africa has always been one of the biggest for entrepreneurship because there's not that many workforce people on the ground to do skilled labor. So people okay. still create their own. They create their own businesses, etc. But these people that create their own businesses in Africa are never recognized for their for their talents and whatever. So I think Forbes has taken a big step to actually believe and invest their time in, in recognizing this. I think it's very good for the continent as well. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so as well. It is very good because yeah. it's time because we've been we've been entrepreneurs since we were born. Because mm. there's no there's no structured you finish school, go to work, finish school, go to work. So I think it's yeah. the I think it's the the mixed culture of um, capitalism, which I really like, 
and our African way whereby when you grow up, the typical setting was when, when you were born into a family and your father is a farmer, you learn the trade from your father and he says, okay, now that is a piece of land, go check it out. Or that is yeah. your five goats, go and do this. Or if you farm, your father is like, a, um, is like an estate agent or this with real estate, he just says, you know what, go and develop that plot of land, start building your own houses there. So I think yeah. that is what we should kind of recognize that it's not that there is no job in Africa. We are not used to having jobs kind of as in corporate jobs. We're used to just doing our own thing. Yeah. So this, um, this mixed or this misunderstanding of we need to actually have a job in the banking sector or in the oil sector or yeah. this mighty job is really like, really like, making people or really bringing down self-esteem regards to that. So that's a nice move for, by Forbes. It's a really nice 100%. move by Forbes. Yeah. 100%. I think especially for the first time, I think in a long time, a big corporation hasn't focused on North Africa, West Africa, East Africa. And they're focused on South Africa, but not South Africa. They're focused on Botswana, you know? And to pick Botswana out of South Africa and whatever, all these big other big players is, is, an, is an interesting move. I'm not sure why they picked Botswana. Maybe they've figured something out that we haven't figured out. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting that they picked that instead of South Africa. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah I'm not under 30, so I'm not sure if I can understand anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys just, I know, I, I, I know you guys, I see so much promise. See, and what you're doing in Lusaka with the impact of so what mm. create this is it because of something that i don't um i think you hear me, you hear me? Yeah. okay i think um impact hub was uh an experiment so i had a conversation i had a conversation with uh, one of my friends and um around the table and then we said wouldn't it be amazing if we can create a and a space where people can come and connect to each other and prototype ideas and create ideas and then something happens and then they create the next biggest company in the world, you know? Um, for instance, somebody comes to this space and they've got an idea for a bicycle and then somebody's like, I can help you build the bicycle. And then someone else comes to the table and says, hey, why don't you start delivering food? I sell food. And then together they create Deliveroo, you know? So we thought for that to happen in Africa, you needed to create a, a build a space that allows people to come for very low costs so that, so that people can afford to come there, even for free, if it's possible. So we eliminate all the boundaries of entry to business that people are facing right now. And then we allow people to actually um, be themselves and just be innovative, you know? Because being, being from the West, we're allowed to walk into fancy hotels. We're allowed to go to um, libraries and with the biggest brains in the world, you know, and actually hear them and speak to my network. But in Africa, there's this, like, rule, like, if you're from this different class, you can't mix with this class, you know, it's just nonsense. So then we thought to ourselves, why don't we just build our own space? Um, this wasn't an impact hub before. It was, a, it was an Ubuntu hub. We called it Ubuntu. Um, um, and the idea was for me visually in my head 
was the way Apple Store looks like. Uh, so I love the way Apple Store is just open and clean and you go in there, you experiment, you play with different products and you can create different apps and, you know, and you can even sit in different lessons at Apple Store. So that was my idea. And then um, my co-founder then thought it'd be amazing if we turn into an impact hub. I didn't know what an impact hub was then. So we did the research and we saw it as one of the biggest co-working spaces. Um, so it took us about two and a half years to actually be accepted as an impact hub. So we had to do quite a lot of exams, visibility reports, market research. So I think we created like an 80 page evaluation piece on Lusaka on why it needs an impact hub. So they thoroughly dig you in. They really, to be an impact hub, they really, really research. They want your research. They want you to know where you're going to fail. If you prepared yourself for failure, have you got the capital? And for instance, one of the questions they ask you is, if you have to build this hub, where are you going to put it in Lusaka? Yeah, simple questions like that. Mm -hmm. you, give, you give them an answer and then they say to you, cool, okay, thank you. How far is your nearest bus stop from this location? Then you start to think, oh no, the bus stop is now 20 minutes walk. Then they ask, is that safe for women? Is that safe for little kids? Did it? Then, you know, you have, these are things that people don't even think of. So you have to go back to the drawing board and you have to replan. Then you bring them a new plan and they question you about, oh, is, how come you've only got two toilets? What if your membership goes over 100 people? By law, you should be having four toilets. Then you go back and you have to replan. So there's a lot of things that they ask you when you're building your own, your own impact up which I think was very good for us um, when, we, when, we were, when we were starting as a, a hub. But we were very big. We were very known anyway before we were at Impact Hub. But Impact Hub gave us the branding to be internationally recognized so that we can tap into their network. So a lot of the Impact Hub workers or CEOs around the world, for instance, if you've got a CEO from, let's say, Mark Zuckerberg, for instance, if he works on San Francisco Impact Hub, he's able to use the Lusaka Hub and come and work from there. And he prefers to work from the Lusaka Hub. So that's the benefits that it gives you. And gives you access as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So a lot of, to a lot of uh, funding, international funding. Yeah, you can't put the price, you can't put the price on access, you know that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Just, yeah, like I always talk about the key of networking is to actually know your value and going in and actually not assuming you don't assume. People assume when they go to, uh, when they're invited to events that they're going to get something out of it. Don't assume. Just go there and talk, conversate, and at the same time, sell yourself. Don't go there, assume you're going to receive something. Chances are you won't, you know? Yeah, that's good. So uh, what are the successes that have come out from, um, from Impact Hub so far? How's the response? Uh, um, it's very good response. So we've been holding uh, events, I think, every, um, we've got an event every week. Um, so, but we've got like the, we've done events for the United Nations, World Bank, um, pretty much all the big institutes around the world. But our goal is just to open the market and allow people education that they wouldn't be able to afford. Um, it's like having your modern day university, but in a more practical way. So yeah. people that don't know, people that don't know how to use the, let's just say, digital skills, 
are able to then tap into, I don't know, Barclays digital skills. So we can then get Barclays to come and do a workshop or seminar and people who can't afford this can actually come to Impact Hub and actually tap into this. And the goal is for people to be educated in a way that they can bring to that table. So when someone brings a bicycle to the table, you're then to say, you're then able to say, hey, why don't you recreate an app for this? Because I learned this last week at the Digital Skills Seminar, you know? So then we're creating a very strong community um, in Osaka of entrepreneurs that are equipped for the new world. Um, so, but we've got very, a lot of very, 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 very interesting startups that are very phenomenal. Um, you got people that are, that run solo, solo companies. Um, you got people that, you have videographers that are using virtual reality. Um, now we've got amazing, like really, really amazing startups that are coming through the door. We're looking towards any African, any African giant coming out. Um, I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping to run an incubator. Um, uh, so for people that want investment, I really want to host one. If not this year, because I'm very busy this year. Um, I'm really hoping that we can run one next year um, where we find something to do with agriculture. Um, and with agriculture, probably to do with, hmm, I don't know, agriculture fitting maybe blockchain or marijuana, CBD um, mm. in, 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 in Southern Africa. That's what I want. I really want to find someone who can do, or tourism. If we can find somebody, a young person that has created a business or organization around tourism, it's a big winner. Whether that's the next, I don't know, Airbnb that works for Africa, then yes. I don't think Airbnb quite works in Africa like that. That's how they would want it. So if somebody can find the reason why and they can create one that does work, then they're onto something. And I'll be happy to be the first person that invests in <laughs> and finds that. <laughs> That would be, be an amazing accomplishment because, but, but the thing is, you are on track with that. You are on track on, on getting that because you've already created the, the, the environment for those kind of things to thrive. And mm. we, need, I, I, we need hundreds of thinkers like you who actually not just think but actually do in yeah. Africa because we have so many people who just talk about the problems, the problems, the problems. We all know the problems facing young people or young entrepreneurs in Africa. So, but for yeah. you to like, like put your money where your mouth is or put your mouth where your money is, it is really amazing because these kind of impact hubs or incubator hubs to start popping up. We have one, of, we have one um, in Nigeria by, um, by Tony Lumelu. Mm. Yeah, so he, uh, he has, has, holding, has holding so um, he's like the founder of, or the founder or the chairman of UBA Bank. So he does this annual Tony Lumelu Entrepreneurs Fund where... Yeah, it's yeah. his own foundation, yeah. Yeah, so we need more and more and more of that. So you are on the right track to finding that, that next big African giant, you know? So yeah, I think, I think, I think what, um, I think what West Africa has that helps their community is that they've got a distinguished higher class. Um, you guys have more millionaires in, in West Africa than you have, than, than we have in, in Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana put together, you know? Um, 
And by doing that, you, you encourage investment from international partners from the West, you know? So I think once Southern Africa gets its recognition and then we start to grow our entrepreneurs that become millionaires, then we can start thinking about real, real-time foundations and people really bringing money like that. People are scared to bring in money to a country that doesn't even have millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's common sense. Why would I bring money? Why would I invest in a country that doesn't even look like they're supporting their own? But West Africa seems to be doing that perfectly. And I think we need to start copying or prototyping different ways different countries are doing it. That's the only way you can ever grow as a nation. So I think we'll get there one day. I don't want to say it's too soon, but we will, I think, one day get there. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to... You need to wait for that you've already started it mm. yeah yeah it is it is it's a very, when i when i speak to investors every day about uh do you want to invest in these in these people the same question they always ask is um what's your pipeline and pipeline they mean how how big is your network of these people as you said you're going to give me and chances are, if the country isn't supporting these people to actually think that way, the pipeline isn't as big as you expect, you know? So we really need the government to really start supporting entrepreneurship at that level. Um, so I'm hoping, like I said, with this Forbes thing, that it will start to push government to actually think, oh, okay, maybe there is something in our country that is like this, you know? Yeah, but you know, you, you know, you just spoke about the government now. But I saw you as one of the advisors to your to, to, to your government because you were having was it lunch or dinner with is it the president or the vice president of your country, so of Zambia. So you have yeah. access as well. So why not? Yeah, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm still ha, until until I can get my my citizenship back. <laughs> <My jewels. laughs> I'm still somehow, I'm still somehow seen as a foreigner. Um, but I'm hoping soon, soon I'll get there. Uh, I was, I was sat with, I was invited to the Zambian um, diaspora launch, which was very, very big with all the, the diplomats and, you know, all that. So it was very good to see that they were open to, to hear the advice that I would give them and, and for especially coming from an investor's point of view, if we're to invest in your country, what do these people get living in diaspora? So it's good that people would listen, especially as well. I'm young as well. Um, compared to in African eyes, I'm actually a very young person. To hear people listen to is very encouraging. So I'm hoping this is this carries on. Yeah, this thing is changing in Africa. So speaking to young people because they are actually we are actually not going to say they, but we are actually the people of tomorrow because 10 years ago we can't have this kind of conversation you are from yeah. I'm from nigeria you from zambia we can't we don't have this um this means of communicating and actually educating people you are sparking you are sparking ideas in people's head right now and touching their their lives giving them more confidence to like yes i can do it he did he did it he's doing it victor is doing it raymond is doing it we have a bunch of people from um, from Africa and the Caribbeans who are living in the diaspora that are actually making great impact. So yeah. I don't think that perspective of say because you're a young person then you don't have you don't have value or what to say. 
you've, you've actually achieved, you only achieved what millions or billions of people have not been able to achieve in Africa, regardless of their age. Yes. So you definitely have value. You, you definitely have something to say. I yeah. am learning from you right now. I'm listening to you. I'm like, man, this guy just killing it. <laughs> I know I am. I, I am on my own lane. You are on your own lane. But you yeah. inspired me to like, you know what? Actually, do take your steps. Be more consistent and just show up. I've learned that from you right now. So, don't. Um, that kind of perspective is going away of being because yeah. older than you. See, our culture says that we have elders in our culture, so you have to listen to them. They are always right most of the time. But yeah. things change. When 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 the when the elder ones don't have um, don't have knowledge in a particular field, they have to listen to you because you are the expert in the other field that they need. Um, knowledge from so Raymond you're doing you're doing amazing I must say that how do you hold yourself accountable <laughs> to my actions um well it's, if it, well if it comes to business I guess yeah when business accountable when it comes to business like you set a goal for yourself and just keep going how I think I think I think at the end of the day if it's if it's my idea that I've I've drawn up in my head and I've dreamt it um it's only right that I'm the person that makes sure it goes all the way. If it fails, I'm the one to blame, you know? And what am I doing by not? It's a very hard question because I think as entrepreneurs, you go through different mood swings every... There's no, there's no entrepreneur out there who's perfect. And you do go through stages where you want to give up, you know? Um, and I think it's what, push, what puts people, separates people from other entrepreneurs um, what separates entrepreneurs from other entrepreneurs is the ability to keep pushing because you know how much this is worth to yourself you know why you, you got into the game in the first place nobody else knows that yeah um, so you that's how you put yourself accountable because you know how much you have value, you've invested your whole life into this uh, and if, if somebody doesn't know that then this isn't a game for them you know then you should go get a nine-to-five. And then where I get a nine-to-five, it's not your business. It's a CEO's business. He's the one that becomes accountable. You're just there to just do your nine-to-five, get paid, leave. This is your life. So you have to work because you have to pay bills. You have family to feed. And this is your only way of doing it is by doing that. So that's how I do it. That's how I see it anyway. Oh, that is, that you see, that is, the, that is another perspective because... I really like that. If you are not, um, if you are not in it to like go all the way because it's your idea, nobody needs, nobody needs another. The idea is all over the place. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm ideas are like cheap. Yes, and I think I was talking to a friend the other day. We said, we said people are getting confused out here that they want to become entrepreneurs, right? When in fact they don't. So I think people were built just to be nine to five workers and it's okay. You can be a worker. No one is saying it's bad. Yeah. I yeah. think people have started to, people have started to see working for somebody else as being negative. And that's not the point. The point is people are built to work for other people while others are built not to work for other people. 
there's a separate, there's a distinguished line and people are now getting seen as if you can't start your own thing, especially now in this day and age with social media. You log on to social media, you see motivational speeches about how XYZ started Tesla, how this guy started Facebook. There's so much pressure put on young people to make a name for themselves. And by making a name for themselves, they think you have to run your own business. That's not the point. We need to eliminate that conversation, that dialogue. We need to get rid of that. We need to say to people, be the best at what you can be. Whether that means working for somebody, then be the best at working for somebody. If you are going to be working in a restaurant, be the best worker in the restaurant. You don't have to be the owner of the restaurant. Just be you, do you at your best. At the end of the day, the ultimate goal, even for any CEO in the world, is to be happy. And that's a fact. Being happy doesn't mean running your own business. Being happy is just being the best in what you do. And we need to, that's what we need to tell people. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good message. That's a good, yeah. very, good, very, very good message. We are, all, we are not all built, built to do the same thing. We are not all built to be entrepreneurs or working for someone. So you just have to know yourself what makes you happy. So if it's working for someone that makes you happy, yeah, go ahead. If you want to yeah, start your exactly. own thing and make yourself, make yourself happy, go ahead, yeah. finish. But don't just get stuck in the idea stage whereby you just say, oh, I've got this idea to change everything in the world, or I've got this idea. No, ideas, when you have the ideas, you take action, be accountable, and just be consistent. Yeah. If what you're doing right now does not make you happy, it's a clear indication. Exactly. It's funny you say that about the idea stage. I think a lot of people think once you get an idea, this is what a lot of people think. Once I've got an idea, I should be the one to create the idea, a good idea. Sometimes maybe your job was just to be the idea creator. You know? Yeah. A lot of people a lot of people think, oh, wow, that's an amazing idea. Why didn't you do it? And they think, ah, yeah. And then when they fail to do it, they think it's their fault. No, maybe your idea was to find someone to take your idea on. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of messages that I think people are missing out. When we start to, when we try to sell entrepreneurship, we, we kind of miss out all that conversation. Yeah. Say, let, yeah. Say you say, 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 say you love your job, you enjoy your job and you have an idea regards how to improve your, your work or what you do or improve something about your job because you actually did that. That's how yeah. you from working with FIFA, you had this idea and, um, about the analytics and you created your own business from that and you've mm. tested it you created it so if 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 you're not if you're not um cut out to be your own boss or to be your own to create your own lifestyle then you can actually what you said is actually true if you have the idea regards that you look for someone who can actually like bring that to life mm. right mm-hmm. instead of just going all the way yeah, you can. That's why it's all about creating the best team and finding your best team. If you have an idea and you know you're not the person who's gonna fully take it, then find somebody that's gonna help you. That's great, Raymond. Um, I know you're a busy guy, so let me not. Um, it's gone past our time, but 
yeah, I, let me let me let me get to paying people's wages. <laughs> yeah, I can I can I can do this and enjoy talking to you all day. I love business, so I love entrepreneurship. I like going to people's mind and what makes them love what they do. And I can see that from your eyes, you are you really enjoy what you're doing. So and yeah. traveling all the way. Yeah. So what are your favorite your, let me let me just say your favorite tools for your business. Your three favorite automation tools for your business. Uh, my, my favorite tools that I use in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Simply Web is one that allows me to um, analyze my competitors' online presence. So it tells me where their uh, clientele is coming from. Um, and what, what, where they're coming from, what my people are doing, where their marketing budget's been placed. So it tells me all the information that my competitors are doing. Um, that's one. Number two, Facebook um, ad management, because it tells me exactly how big my demographics are. So I only, use, I only really use it when I want to find out the exact number of how many people are in my particular um, location that I'm targeting, specifically. Um, and then finally, my last one, I'll probably say, uh, I would say the last one, I'll probably just say digging deeper into Facebook ads, probably the Instagram side of things, because Instagram is very powerful when it comes to advertisement, just because of the layout of the screen, the screen on story mode is, um, is a, you know, a straight. So mm-hmm. you, you get someone's attention. You take the whole screen on a story. You, they can't escape your ad, you know? as much as they want you're going to pop up on their phone that's my favorite that's one of my favorite tools actually wow that's great i wasn't i wasn't even thinking towards that area you see we learn every day so well raymond thank you very 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 much and um anybody that wants to follow you should go to where is it raymond st charles so where is he yeah raymond yeah raymond st charles on instagram that's the best way to get to me and then from there you send me an email and then somebody somebody from my team or forward me the email, um, they they look after my direct messages. Oh, that's great. So, um, thank you once again. Thank you, Raymond, for being part no of. No problem. This. No. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has spent their time with us for listening to this episode. Yeah. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, share this episode. If there is something that if there is um. If there's any solution that you want us to discuss, or there's any topic that you want us to discuss, send me an email, victor at diasporachiefs.com, victor at diasporachiefs.com. And also, um, a bonus for you, on this episode, I have um, an ebook, 24 Digital Product Ideas, that you can create and implement in your business or start as a side hustle or as a side venture, even as a whole business. So the link will be attached. So, yeah, that's it. Until next time.